Welcome to the Liberty Tree, podcasting from Family Life Church in Swanee, Georgia. In the big rock candy mountains, the jails are made of tin, and you can walk right out again as soon as you are in. There ain't no short handle shovels, no axes, saws, or picks. I'm a going to stay where you sleep all day, where they hung the Turk that invented work in the big rock candy mountains. We are the A from way down south, and we are here, rowdy and proud. Sha la la la, sha la la la. Sorry, Atlanta United plays tonight. Oh, they do. That's right. Yep. Miami FC. Miami FC in the Lamar Hunt tournament cup thing. U.S. Open Cup. U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, does Lamar Hunt have any? He started it. It's the third oldest soccer tournament in the world. Oh, and only is in America. Only in America. Right. I mean, are they like playing with like a sheep stomach that they're kicking around? I mean, mean, how just how old is this tournament? You know, Uh, nineteen or yeah, nineteen eleven, something like that. All right. Um, that's not that old. Well, for America and soccer, that's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty old. Yeah. And uh, what did you bring for show and tell here? <laughs> Can we talk about that? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that yeah. is a, a uh, uh, I'm a big history nut. Yeah, I know. That's right. And uh, that is an old uh, war between the states, uh, a kepi, a gray yeah. kepi. Yeah. And, and, and a kepi is... Um, a, uh, it, it's basically your 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 it's cover, kind of like what an enlisted man might wear, right? If you if he was so outfitted, right? And so I love all the doodads and knickknacks of of uh, history, especially uh, the war between the states. And, yeah, uh, it's very so, interesting. So yeah, I, I, and, and and like you mentioned earlier, like if you wear it, and it's supposed to be a replica, and it's it's thick. Yeah, it's, I just it looks like it's made of cotton, maybe. Or some it's, wool? It, that one, I think they were mainly made out of wool. I don't think they were, you know, I'm not saying they didn't have any made out of cotton. I think t- traditionally wool would be what, you know, your uniform was made of, which might be served you well in the winter, but uh, any any maneuvers or marching or, especially you know, heaven forbid battling that you might be doing in the summertime is, whoo, I bet that thing was and hot. The, and, the, and the enemy, so you call them. Yeah. Like what? Had the same kind of yeah. <laughs> the, the same kind of the other just guys. a different color. Yeah. Just a different color. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, a, nice, a, nice, a nice dark navy blue to really absorb the heat of the sun, you know, really Which you know. which hopefully they were second guessing when they were marching south and were like, you know what, this this headwear you <laughs> idea was not so Maybe much a good wool idea. Uniforms weren't the best idea. They, no. they, they caught a few Johnny Rebs like, uh, he's got a straw hat. Mm, <laughs> give me that. Uh, just trade. So like the northerners would have like all their uniforms and stuff and they were had like a little more money. Well, yeah. Because they were funded government, by the government. More, well, yeah. and more manufacturing. All right. right. There's right. A lot, industry there's a lot manufacturing. More, yeah, a lot more industry. I see. So things like leather goods, boots and belts and holsters and saddles and all that stuff, I think was a much greater supply. Uh, textile factories to make uniforms and tents and that sort of thing. I think it was much hmm. greater supply. I think and I'm sure we'll get lots of comments to tell me where I'm wrong, but I think when it came to procurement of firearms, I think there were relatively similar numbers 
uh, um, relative but, to the most part, you, yeah. you 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 might find more rifles on the on the Northern Union and federal and side. May, maybe more uniformity to like the right. make and mm. model and that sort of thing. Now, what about like as far as population? Wouldn't oh, it be more it's, population it's up north? north? Many oh, times yeah. more people. Yeah. So more, more heavily populated. Yeah. Uh, uh, more it had more uh, uh, overall uh, currency to throw around as far as supplying the troops, feeding right. the troops, and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of folks uh, on the uh, on the southern side. I mean, it was go grab your stuff that's in the, your yeah. bedroom and and you know muster rally around the yeah, flag. I don't think they thought it was going to be a sustained war. No, I think they were like this is going to be over in six months right. and we'll be back home. You know, planting our fields. There's a there's so. a there's a diary written by a, a southern soldier by the name of Sam Watkins called Company H, and he mentions that they're actually on march from Tennessee to join up with the Army of Northern Virginia, and they hear that uh, for the Southerners, uh, the Battle of Manassas, or for Northerners, Bull Run, yep. the very first major engagement of the uh, war between the states, they hear that it was fought and it was over, and they're all bummed out that they missed the war. Mm. <laughs> uh, Little did they know that right. you know, that was just a I forget, tip of the iceberg. I forget one senator uh, before the war started said that uh, you'd be able to wipe up the amount of blood spilled in this bloodshed with a handkerchief. Right. Like they just all thought it was just a big... A lot of bluster and people... Yeah. Would, you, mm. You'd show up and Bravado. kind of square off and, and then everybody kind of go home. But, you know, I, I, I don't know anybody could predict the tenacity with which the Union would try to preserve the country. I mean, oh, but, yeah. I mean, there was a lot... A lot of people thought that, you know, the Constitution was a contract between the states, and they weren't necessarily bound to it into perpetuity. And if they didn't want to be part of it anymore, that they could separate themselves, and that was going to be that. And that there wasn't a lot of sentiment up north to from, from just the general people. To I mean, I think most people are like, you know, if somebody doesn't want to be part of something, let them go. Right. You know, I don't care. You know, There's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. the, the, I mean, it's like but, a Jeffersonian idea of America, like you were talking about, yeah. versus the new, yeah. you know, Lincoln State, style. States' rights uh, versus, you know, right. Jefferson and states' rights versus Alexander Hamilton and the Federalists. Right. It's like, you know, what, what, what do you view your country as? You know, for one region, it was my, my country is my home. My, my home is Virginia. My home is yeah. Georgia. Where Georgia goes, I go. Or on the other side, it was... Uh, no, our, our country is the United States of America. That's right. Our, our, my, my nation, my allegiance is to the Union, to the United States of America. And a lot of people, even up in the South, had that, was a Union man and did feel that way. But when their state voted to, to leave, seed, yeah. they went with their state. That's just how they saw their allegiance. So. Now, like, say, you're saying about them succeeding and stuff. So as far as the South, how far did the South creep up? Was it Virginia? Well, Mary, or was uh, it eleven you states? Mean creep up like, like like what was considered south? Well, oh, like, eh, the Mason-Dixon well, line, really? Right, but Mason-Dixon, that's, but that's pretty far north, really. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's farther north than you think it it's is. It's above Maryland. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and you also it, I, officially uh, the states that that voted to secede and leave the union are South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Florida, Tennessee. South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, yep. 11. Uh, you did have others who uh, maybe would have. Well, you had like like Missouri and Kentucky that were considered border states where mm-hmm. maybe they didn't secede, but they still, you know, engaged in slave trading or whatever. Or they, they had more sentiments with, more in common with the southern states, but they didn't for any number of reasons feel that it was in their best interest to secede. 
you know. And when but. the states were voting to leave the union, uh, uh, very uh, conveniently enough, in a lot of states that did have those, um, um, maybe maybe we might vote on it, were uh, occupied. And were, uh, especially they're a state legislator, and it was make sure, made sure that they didn't get to vote on, right. on whether or not to leave. So it was, a, it was a mad dash to try to secure the union. Yeah. Well, what? it's interesting that you guys still talk about, like, the war between the states. I mean, here it is, like, yeah. years and years later. But I'll give you a story. My uncle came over one time from Scotland to visit. So we was at a wedding. It was a family member's wedding. And the grandfather of the groom was an old southern boy from i think it was south georgia somewhere you know and so my uncle got talking to him he's an older man i think he was in his 80s that time probably about 10 years ago and so when my uncle when he was talking to him he said that he started talking about the war so my uncle took it as this last war the second world war yeah Mm. but then when he started talking to him like wait a minute, <laughs> he's talking about way before that. Was <laughs> so he was really he was really surprised that they still had that conflict. Even he's like you know saying about the Yankees and stuff like that, years on and generations on. You know what I mean? So he found that really interesting. Like well, imagine that still talking about and and being frustrated with everything that happened in the Civil War. Well, and he found that very interesting. You know. And I think it depends on your family too, because yeah. In, oh yeah, because in my family. I'm only a few generations removed from it. Mm-hmm. There are other families that have had many, many generations in the last 160 years. But, I mean, my great-great-grandfather, I mean, that's not that far back. No. Was old enough to participate. So, you know, but then you've got other families, especially families that maybe haven't been in this country that long. That to them, it's just, it seems I like know. a... It seems like a history book thing and, and not a lot more. You know, and yeah, that's, I mean, that's still, okay. I mean, that's okay, too, you know. But Clark Gable and uh, Scarlett yeah. O'Hara, I mean, they weren't that long ago. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, in, it's interesting, too, because I think, I think, I think if, if, if things had gone differently, uh, I'm not too sure that you would still hear about it as much. I think a lot of, it, a lot of the, 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 the remembrance or the... Uh, uh, discussion or the fascination of is that it, we're talking about, especially when it comes on the southern side, is yeah. we're, talk, we're talking about on a region that lost, right? And that mm-hmm. and what, what, what happened during Reconstruction, right? And you know, and really, the South has to at least I don't I guess the whole South shouldn't maybe take, you know, take it. But you know, if John Wilkes Booth hadn't assassinated Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. he he was ready to bring the South back into the fold, right? Yeah, and try to let bygones be bygones as much as possible and get the South on the road to economic recovery, mm-hmm. social recovery, and get things moving again and heal the nation. And with his assassination, even though it was done out of some sort of revenge for the South, it was really a, a probably a pretty poor choice, ultimately, when you, we look back on it historically, because then the people left in power to decide how the reorganizing of the nation would go did it in such a way that was I think very unfavorable to the south and for many many decades afterwards the south lagged far behind the rest of the country in terms of economic growth and social growth and you know and a lot of it I think you know obviously you had to have some sort of reconstruction to put the country back on the right track think Thank goodness it happened because we really needed to be a whole country for some of the things that we faced in the 20th century. But on the other hand, the way that it was gone about, 
I think left a really bad taste in a lot of, you know, generation generationally in a lot of people's mouths. And, and now, do they te- still teach that kind of history in school? Mm, not see that's a that's an interesting topic. Yeah. Um, I have uh, just from what I've understood. I I guess I would encourage anyone that wanted to learn about the region. Let me just put like this. I would I would not point you to so much to what you might learn in you know public education or even yeah. at a university. There's more to it. I would yeah. I would really encourage you to find it just how it was taught to me. You know, go and read the actual you know journals and diaries of the people who actually live in that region. Both sides, all cultures, everyone who was involved, and be able to pull from that and and then make, make your, your decision own, make your on what yeah. it yeah. what what was going on in the years of 1861 to 1865. Back to that story about my uncle. So he was so interested in with this man telling him about the Civil War that we, we bought him a book on the Civil War, a big thick book. And when he went home to Scotland, he said, I've just been reading that book. <laughs> and he just loved it. I mean, he just he never knew about it. Obviously, he wasn't taught it yeah. back home in Scotland and Britain. But when he got into the depth of it all and into the how it happened and what happened and all that stuff, he just loved anything to do with the Civil War. It was yeah. it was one of the most strangest, weirdest. I mean, it was a war, but in so many ways, it wasn't a war. It was it was just such a weird, sad event, and it was it 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 all of it. it you, I like to read all the different stories, the individual stories of of what happened, and I think a lot of it going back to the whole, you know, you know, maybe what have continued the interest or at least the. Um, yeah, the the distance between the two yeah. is that I've read stories in the past or journals of the past that a lot of the veterans who fought in the war between the states, you know, when it was over, they were like, okay, high five. You know, let's, you know, uh, that was it. It's done. Okay, that decided it. Let's, right. let's move on. And, and it was the people, mainly the children and the women and the wives who were back home who experienced the war on a different level that kind of, had a lot of things that were done to them, had a lot of things that happened to their homes, had a lot of things, I mean... Held the grudges because, we're, we're, you know. we're talking about, let's face it, and I know that this is, I'm kind of being biased a little bit, maybe it's because of where I'm from or whatever, but you're talking about the invasion of an entire other group of states from, a, from an army, and, and as it's walking through, I mean, it's effective, yeah. Uh, but it's still they made war. <laughs> they, they they made war. Hell. Is there some anger? Here? No, still. No, 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 not anger. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I was having images of General Sherman. Uh, but but I mean he. I mean uh, he he did what he had to do. You want me to win the war? Fine. I will make war hell, and I will make war hell on the civilians to show another government you don't have the ability to stop me. Right. I and, mean, and that's how you get people to surrender. Right. That's how you, you get you, armies you to surrender. To end, you wanted to end World War II? You, mm-hmm. in, in Japan, you you do drop these devastating weapons because you're like, look, we're not messing around. Right. Yeah. I, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean there, I have a, I'm reading a book right now on the Battle of Atlanta, the Battle and Burning of Atlanta. And there's one point where the Southern Army is not even in the city. They retreated to the south of it to set up positions there, and General Sherman said, open fire on the city. And, and, and it... Up to that point, a bombardment of, let's say, uh, there was one place in Virginia, there was one in, in Vicksburg, lasted one or two days, and it made a lot of people in the South very mad, a lot of generals very mad, like, how can you open up on civilians, you know, you know, right. come and fight us kind of mm-hmm. thing. General Sherman bombarded the city of Atlanta for over 90 days straight. Yeah. And mm. so, I mean, it's... Uh, but, it, like I said, it was effective. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, it, I, and so that's what... That, and so, you know, generation after generation, maybe not so much now, but shortly after that, 
you know, especially when carpetbaggers were coming in, trying to make money off of the South and stuff like that, you know, you had a lot of families that were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We remember yeah. the last time those people, the Yankees, came through here. And it was just in that kind of built up and built up and built up over time. And uh, uh, that's why uh, uh, I think, uh, not why, but it was maybe kind of going on a funny note. I think when we first met or when I first was coming into the family, you know, I know that, you know, say over in, in, in the UK and stuff, you know, refer to Americans as Yanks or Yankees. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my brother-in-law uh, is, uh, he, he identifies as uh, being from Scotland. And uh, I think, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, I can't remember, but I was explaining it to it. And I was like, no, we're not Yanks. You know, I'm not a Yank. I'm a, you know, Southerner or whatever you want to call right. it. And it's like, well, you know, we'll explain that. And I was like, well, are you English? I was like, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, how dare you? I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. an Englishman. Yeah. Yeah. And now I go, I'm not a Yankee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, we consider like I remember. Yeah, it's, I remember and, we was always and, back and forth. And back, Yankee, Yankees yeah. worldwide, Yankees has become called, slang for America. I was yeah. called a Yankee and, when I came home yeah. from and went back to school in Scotland when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm like oh look, the Yankees home. Yeah, you know, but they consider. It seems like they considered the whole oh, yeah. U.S. Yeah. a Yankee, right. but it's not. It's, you know, it's one of those things. Like I, I don't let myself get bent out of shape about it, but yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like Zach here. I'm just like when a when a foreign person has referred to me as a Yankee, I don't, I don't have a problem with it because it's slang. I just got a problem yeah. with it going like, well, they just don't know that. Yeah. Where, at least where I'm from. I don't really identify that way. Right, but right. I mean, it, you know, I mean, right. I, I, you know, I don't. Care. Don't misappropriate yeah. my, yeah. my, my I, I, geographical again, region. I mean, you know, um, as long as I get a chance to uh, to either explain myself or make fun of the person back in a way, like you say, like, "Well, are you English?" You know, as long as I get a chance to do that, no harm, no foul. And it depends you know? on who does it too. Oh yeah, because yeah, like you know, like in soccer, like American soccer, I love, I love, I love the men's. Uh, U.S. team, love it, and I love the, the 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 pomp and the fanfare and come on you Yanks and you know oh yeah. you know, all this other stuff, you know and I and I get that and, and I'm rooting for them and that's what I identify with in international soccer. Yeah, USA, USA, you know I'm all into it, um, and so I don't mind it and I don't mind it like you know if I was over there or even like when I was in the Marine Corps if you ran into someone oh you Yanks you know or, oh hey, hey how's it going now but if a Southerner called me Yankee yeah. You know, that's in the right. past. Maybe not so much yeah. anymore. Fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put them up. Put them up. <laughs> but a lot of it, to be honest, I think it's good that we're finally coming to a point where it's almost more of kind of ha ha ha, you know, now. And it's not nearly as much as deep rooted as, as I think. To be now, Except time heals wounds, of course. Now, like so when you say about the Civil War, because you don't get taught much of it. And like since we're all kind of movie goers, right. buffs here, what movie like is, is kind of predicts like. The most, uh, not not like Captain America and Iron Man Civil War, you know, the different, the right, real no. Civil War, you know? Like, what would p- to depict it the best? Like, I truthfully? mean, for me, it's the outlaw Josie Wales, but I'm sure that's very biased. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's more true, Ben. Oh, okay, sorry. You know? Oh. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the, the military aspect, and I'll, um, there are a few moves out there, and unfortunately they don't do as many. And I think it's because it, traditionally it can be a touchy subject, especially yeah. when it, if you if you only try to make it so well, it's usually told, this or that. It's usually told from one side or the other. Like yeah. you look at that movie, right. Glo- like that movie Glory. Never seen it. I mean, that's uh, with uh, uh, Morgan Freeman's and Denzel Washington and Matthew Broderick as their like you know they were like the first all black regiment or whatever and. Matthew Broderick's their, you know, captain or whatever, but uh, they all got, 
I think they all got killed at like they Fort were Wagner. Like, yeah. It was, so, a, but, it was a brutal ending, and, yeah. but what it a, followed their perspective and yeah. what they went through and what they had to go but through, it, too. But, it, but it's definitely told completely from the side of North, and you don't really see a lot of the, you know, the, the Southern side. But then you got like movies like Cold Mountain, which is told more from oh, the, yeah, side, yeah. Side of yeah. the con, side of the South, and you don't really, I don't think you see a whole lot of what's happened on the North. Um, another well, one that's not real historically accurate, but another Clint Eastwood movie that deals a lot with it is uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. When they're trying to, oh yeah, up, yeah, that's right. The, you know, the war is sort of a backdrop as to the story that's going on. But really, you kind of get to see almost a little bit of both sides because as Clint Eastwood and Eli Wallach are making their way towards the gold, they have they spend some time on the Confederate side, and some time on the you know, northern side. So. What about that uh, series with Patrick Swayze? <laughs> the blue and the gray, <laughs> or north and south? <laughs> north and south. Yeah, I think it was north. Was and that south. like more romance, like yeah, type or something? Yeah, boo. Yeah. Uh, I think. Did <laughs> you guys get that over there in Scotland? Is no, I just remember it? like seeing it on TV somewhere. Like Patrick Swayze. What? Being a history, I saw that. I was like, yes, and I put it in. I was like, no. no. <laughs> well, really, if you're gonna watch something, you got to watch Ken Burns' documentary, The Civil yes. War. And I I know that's kind of a mm. cop out when you're saying like what like what from Hollywood because you know a documentary is not really necessarily Hollywood. But I mean, if you can sit down and watch that, it's you know it's it's tough to get through no matter who you are. I think if you've got any sort of humanity and you just see how brutal it was mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. But but it really is. It shows both sides. They have interviews with historians from both sides. They, I mean, it's what you would want to see in a documentary, which is it's completely level and even handed. And it doesn't assign blame or it doesn't take sides. It's just this is what we know from a historical record. Right. Coming from a neutral kind of. Right. And I'm sure there are people out there that have taken exception with certain things or whatever. That's always going to happen. But it's really, I would say for anybody that wanted to try to get into it that, you know, and I say that with the caveat of this is a documentary and it's fairly graphic in some parts. But in general, if you, you know, if you really want to know sort of the lead up and then what happened and then the aftermath that's a, I think a really good starting well place. there's your TV pick for the week folks that's right <laughs> now the movie wise and it's long it's like four hours long but probably the closest like that kept a pretty even uh, without too much bias really on either side of the other that was like that featured a war was movie Gettysburg yeah that movie that came out like 93 or 94. And it was, and there was a follow-up uh, called Gods and Generals, which, to be honest and fair, that was a little bit more pro on the southern side. That's right. Um, and uh, and I get that. And I, and, and when you, I think when you're able to be able to view the biases on one way or the other, and that's not just the American Civil War, War Between the States, War of Northern Aggression, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> you, it, it as long as you have in that understanding that, hey, you know, there is more than one side to the story here. There's more than one side to what's going on. You can't make a conflict like war, especially like a civil war, just a one, hey, this is how simple as it was. This side fought for this, this side fought for that, and that settles it. It's easy and it's lazy to do that, but it, it doesn't get the full picture of what actually went on. To kind of lead into the remainder of today's episode, uh, two stories I wanted to give real quick that I thought were really cool. Um, and kind of sad a little bit as well. Um, I mean, you had, it literally was brother versus brother. That's right. Father mm-hmm. versus son. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had, it split this country so badly that, I mean, you had, you know, you had completely two different, completely two different types of ideas of what life in America should be like. Should it be, 
you know, industry factors, factories making money, big business, you know, you know, all of that, or it should be more of an agrarian lifestyle out on the farm. Hey, we're going to live this way. We're going to, you know, raise up and, and grow up my family from here, you know, leave me alone. And, and, and it just to be in that it was a two different ideals completely, two different ideas of, of how you think the country should be run. It, do states have any kind of sovereignty whatsoever, or is this more of a union? Are, are we a country that is our quote unquote country, a, a, the federal government, the, the federal insti- institution, or is it more states that it were forming together to join a union? And, and it's just completely two different sides. Um, at the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain here in Georgia, uh, at the, uh, there's a place called Cheatham Hill in the battle where the southern side had fortifications set up. There was a big open field that kind of sloped down. You can still go in to see it to this day. And at this particular part of the battle, the, the north is sending row after row after row after row of northern troops to try to take this position from the southern side. And it's, it, the, I, think the, I think the battle is happening in July, I want to say. It's either June or July of 1864. And it's hot, and it's, I mean, you know, very concentrated fire in this one little spot of, you know, shooting back and forth at each other. It's so hot that on this open field, a fire breaks out and starts consuming the, the wounded and the dead of the northern troops that were trying to advance in this position. A southern commander that was, uh, it was, it was, it was Cheatham, I believe. No, no, it was, it was a, it was a commander from Alabama who was at that position. Stood up on top of the southern uh, breastworks, the uh, fortifications, had a flag of truce, and he wanted to meet someone on the other side, and he said, look, this is butchery. Your men are, they're wounded on the field, and you're, and you're dead, you're getting consumed by the fire. We're not gonna shoot at you. Get your men off the field. You're not going to, you know, we're going to give you time. However much you need, get your boys off the field. And so the northern soldier was like, you know, thank you. You know, and they, they started doing it. And as they were pulling the northern troops off the field one by one, you start seeing southern soldiers jumping over their breastworks and running to try to help them to get the wounded off the field. Right. And so when they did, mm-hmm. and then they get back on their side, and it's, okay, time in. Yeah, <laughs> they start shooting each yeah, other of course. again. Yeah. But it's like there was that, there was that brief moment of, humanity and just you know remembering that you know we're all people here and i think also that sort of one of the things that leads us into today is the fact that whatever your stance is or whatever your thoughts are about it one thing is almost a certainty is people on both sides were probably praying desperately yeah <laughs> to god and to jesus you know all through this thing i mean they speaking of that's something interesting too like i said go back and read the diaries that guy earlier I talked about, Sam Watkins, and his, he was at that moment. He was at Cheatham Hill on Kennesaw Mountain. Hand-to-hand fighting did break out on that, uh, in that engagement. Uh, the northern troops did make it to the breastworks. They didn't take them, but there was hand-to-hand fighting in the uh, southern trenches. Uh, and Sam Watkins writes in his journal that during the hand-to-hand fighting, a northern soldier breached over the wall and had his rifle aimed right at San Joaquin's face. And his best friend, who had been with him the whole war up to that time, was right next to him. And he said his friend reached over and grabbed the end of the rifle and pulled it towards him 
and as the as the northern soldier fired. I believe I would have grabbed the end of the barrel and pushed it away from both of us, but maybe <laughs> yeah. that, I don't know, maybe that wasn't an option. But, but it was like but, but, a but quick, what, right. what an amazing sacrifice. Yes, though. I know. It was yeah. a quick moment and it killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the journal, Sam Hawkins write, on that day, my friend uh, was my my friend gave his life for me just like Jesus Christ did. Right. He mm-hmm. gave his life so that I might live. And, and you read it and you're just like, Greater love hath no man. Yep. He laid down his life for his friends. His for his friends. So, right. so speaking of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Liberty Tree Podcast. <laughs> After that brief introduction, we're back here and ready to get cracking on the next episode. Right. Okay, so for, for the longest time now, we have been on the road to Emmaus. Yeah. And we the decided there slow, were... <laughs> long, winding <laughs> road to Emmaus. How long is this road anyway? Oh, is it man. Like 20 <laughs> miles, 150 miles? How long did the Hebrews wander in the desert? Oh, all know? the way to Malachi. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 40 years. Yeah. Um, but, but we are, I think, going to take a brief detour off yes, the yes. road. It's not, we're, not, we're not stopping our journey to that final destination, but we are going to have some other things that we're going to talk about in between now and when we pick back up on it. Right. It's a, uh, cause and I guess that kind of points back to how cool it actually is when it comes to scripture that it's the road to Emmaus is going to take a long time because literally in almost every chapter and verse, you can find Jesus in it. That's right. And that's a, that's a huge comfort, but you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of move on from that. We'll, we'll, we'll be picking it back up in a few episodes from now, but we're going to feature something else a little bit more. I think one thing that's for sure, at least in American culture, or at least in uh, a popular Christian American culture, um, I think a lot of us, and I'm guilty as charged, assume that you know when we refer to Christianity, Christianity, or we refer to Christian things, it's just assumed that everybody knows what you're talking about. In, in my mind, I'm thinking everybody else went to Sunday school, everybody else grew up in church right. together, everybody else went to the same church that I did, which which is completely not the case at all. Yes, you and, you and I did not go to the same church growing up. No, so I can I can mm-hmm. I can tell you that in case you were wondering. Right, none of us <laughs> went to the same. Right, you know. And right. so completely different teaching, completely different cultures, completely different everything. Words, we might be saying we might be saying two different things, but meaning the exact same thing. So thought it would be we thought at the Liberty Tree to be a good idea to kind of feature a kind of Christianity basic 101 segment where we talk about the basic essential uh, uh, core beliefs of Christ, of the Christian faith. For those of you who may be wondering, or maybe this will help clear up things that we've discussed in the past, and maybe it was new to you that we were talking about. And then eventually go on from there uh, to branch on to maybe the more of the periphery of, of essential Christian beliefs and just discussing the differences of them. Because I think, you know, not, not to get, and I think there's also, there's this fear, and it's kind of sad, to be honest. Um, but I, I find it, for me, for the longest time, I hear doctrine, I hear theology, and I think, well, there goes the Holy Spirit. He just left the room, right? You know, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna hear or be led in any kind of particular way of any kind of revelation, and that's sad because you know, to be quite honest, everyone has doctrine, everyone has theology. If you don't believe that doctrine and theology is important, that is a doctrine and that is a theology, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. That's a belief. So I mean, it, and it's there for us to help serve us and help guide us, so that we're not wandering around and just thinking whatever. It, it helps to point us in the right direction so that, let's say someone comes up and starts preaching some crazy, wacky stuff. If we don't have that core foundation, 
we're not going to know that it's crazy right. and it's wacky. Right. We're going to buy it. Sus- you might be susceptible to what it's saying, and you also want to be able to arm yourself with the with the word of God in a way to protect you, and also to give you the ability to hopefully spread the right message to other people when the opportunity arises. You know, right. Um, and th- to put you at ease, this is not nothing new. The, the, the Christians, ever since the beginning of Christianity, have always had to define and defend the faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Paul in, in, in the church in Galatia and the church in Corinth. That early, he's having to go to people in church and saying, whoa, 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 you're way off. Right. And, and yeah. we need to get back on track. So and on another topic, you know, put, put faith, authority is in Scripture, go with that. That's right. That's the biggest takeaway when you have questions is turn to your Bible. Right. Open it up and read it because all the answers are there. Really, you know, the answer to all the questions as far as is am I going down the right path? If it's in the Word of God, you can take that to the bank, you know? Yep, you're right. And the, I guess the first thing to tackle in basic beliefs of Christianity, and there's, there were so many different ways that, I, that we were thinking that we could go. But I think one thing that kind of helps put to ease and kind of lead into other stuff in the future, especially, is that, you know, let's start with the resurrection. Because if you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ from fact, from what has actually happened, if you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Christianity, you no longer have Christianity. The, the faith is done. I, I, I have it here somewhere uh, in, uh, where Paul said, you know, if, if, if Christ did not die and rise from the dead, you know, we should be pitied amongst all men, you know, because our faith is worthless if Christ did not rise from the dead. And um, I can't remember who said it. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was, it was a podcast I heard. It was Dr. Rod Rosenblatt speaking, and he said, I don't think it was him, but it was some professor somewhere in a Christian university said, was kind of leading in for the church service and said that, hey, we found uh, scientists have said that they're in this amazing archaeological discovery and that they found the bones of Jesus. And it's this amazing find, and we can go find it, we can go look at it. And so there were a lot of people that were kind of like, okay, let's go look. And then he kind of waited for a minute. He said, no, 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 you should not be happy or believe something like that. You're not going to find the bones of Jesus right, right. buried in the ground. Exactly. He's like, no. And or I can't remember. It was, it was a debate. And this is a side story. It was a debate between an atheist and a Christian. And the atheist went after him saying, is there any evidence? Is there any evidence at all that I could give you? that would make you change your faith mm-hmm. or make you lose your faith or make you convert from Christianity to science? Is there any, any evidence whatsoever? And the, the other the Christian was saying, no, there's absolutely nothing. I'm never going to not believe. There's no evidence you could give me. Nothing. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm sorry, that's the wrong answer. Yeah. That's, that's the wrong answer. If you can prove to me with 100% evidence that Christ did not rise from the dead... My faith is done. Right. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we hang, you know, all of our faith and our hopes on, and that's the the deepest part of our belief as Christians is that very thing, is that Christ took the sin of the world, and it took him all the way to death, and then he was resurrected and walked the earth and then ascended back into heaven. A man who yeah. just died a brutal, agonizing death. Three days later, came out 
alive. His actual body right. that was dead came back. And he basically, after that, said, all authority has been given to me. And, and so he, if you just told death no, and, you're, and, and you've proven time and time again that you are God, um, yeah, we're going to listen to what you have to say. And there's so many really neat, uh, Gary Habermas, he's a Christian apologist who, who does this thing called the minimal facts approach, where he uses uh, facts that skeptics of Christianity are willing to give him, historical facts, saying, yeah, you can totally use that. You can totally use that. And he uses it to prove the resurrection through, right. that, through that evidence. Well, and that is your, you know, the most basic core part of your Christianity 101 is what we've just talked about. And there's more to it than just that. And we're going to pick that up in our next episode, but we're going to stop right here with that, you know, core aspect that Jesus rose from the grave and took all of our sins with him. Best so, news yep. ever. That's right. I mean, where are we? Where are we without that? That's right. Nowhere. Well, but, we're somewhere, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, <laughs> right? But we thank all of you as always for listening to the Liberty Tree Podcast, and we will be back soon with another episode. If you ever have any questions uh, for us on the podcast here, feel free to send us an email at the Liberty Tree Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions you have, or if there is a topic or something that you want us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to let us know. You can find us on Facebook, the Liberty Tree Podcast. If you're on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at Liberty Tree Cast. And also, we are on the church website. There is an icon on the website that's a picture of our logo. Just click on that. And to get to that website, it's familylifechurchswanee.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much. More to come later. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning, down the track came a hobo hiking, and he said, boys, I'm not turning, I'm headed for a land that's far away, beside the crystal fountains, so come with me, we'll go. This was the Liberty Tree, podcasting from Family Life Church in Swanee, Georgia.